Dear Jazzy. The following program is intended for mature adults over the age of 18. If you are not a patron looking for information on sex, relationships, and gender, please visit scarletteen.org. Nothing said on this show is a replacement for official medical advice. Trust me. Last time I checked, no one here is a doctor. Welcome back to Dear Jazzy, episode 59, the show where we answer all of life's kinky questions. I am your host, Jasmine Starshine. Co-host for the night, Bonnie ABDL. Bonnie, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. Always. I miss being here. I know. I miss doing the show. It's been like, with everything going on, it's been like, what, a month? It feels like. Oh my God. It's that, yeah. Yeah, no, just because like everything was going on. And if I sound, excuse me, I was really trying hard to bait that yawn, but if I sound and feel a bit off tonight, that's because I got my second round of vaccinations yesterday, and I've been feeling it. Um, I've had, Not like, yay. yeah, I've had, like, the m- minor fever, the chills, the aches, the sweats, just, I've been, like, out Today was a day that was spent on the couch. But I was like, I refuse to put off the show another day. So we are making it happen and everything. Thank you so much once again for coming on the show. And we are going to be talking about some really fun stuff up to and including Lolita. Yeah, just to like clarify, we're talking about Japanese Lolita fashion. Because uh, there's a couple things that kind of fall under the name Lolita. And I just want to focus on just that. Just the Harajuku fashion. Right. And before that, as always, we have our little announcements. With, sorry, with the Patreon. Yeah, number two. Oh, this is going to be a bad one just because my body is so fatigued. It's like, bitch, stop. Stop it. Okay. You can do it. I believe in you. Thank you. I can do this. In the $1 vanilla tier, which gets you a username shout-out, we have Damia, Fluffy Nate, Gosh Cheeks, Race Star, Red Panda Nobby, and welcome back to the Patreon... To- Wait, no. Did that wrong. Welcome back to the Patreon, Damia. There we go. And Tone Cluster as the last one. Sorry about that. In the $5 Kingster tier, which gets you some monthly nude photos from yours truly, we have A.B. Michael, Bliss Bunny, Briah, Casa, Juicebox, Maxi Skywalker, and the Starling Family... In the $10 tier, which gets you an extended shout-out and some monthly little clips from me with Ishi. Let's call me Joe, who says, JazzCon 2021, which we'll talk about in a sec. Lucy, who writes, do your part to combat water shortages, forget the potty, embrace diapers, agree. And Scotia, in the $15 center tier, which gets you all of the below, including some co-directorial fun rights on the monthly content. We have Kaneko, who writes, I'm very good at being very big. Doubt. In the $20 Deviant tier, which gets you all the below, including your name written on me for all of our content. We have Daddy Gray, who writes, pray for your boy, trying to write a dissertation. F in the chat, please. Uh, Jamie Bell, who writes, I cannot stress this enough. Ass Cheeks. Joe and Sluggy who writes ooh woo ooh woo I'm so blue woo which I think is one of the best shout outs we've ever gotten on the show but that is Patreon the other thing that we have to talk about before we get into it is um, 
I haven't <laughs> figured out a name. So if anyone has a better name, please tell me. We've been talking today in the server about a meetup. Now we've been like throwing the idea around. Excuse me. Number three. <sighs> Give it up for number three. We've been tossing the idea back and forth about a Dear Jazzy community meetup here in Cleveland for a few weeks now. And now that vaccines are really starting to roll out and everything and people are getting their Fauci ouchies and starting to get healthy and safe and everything, the conversation has really picked up. And so, and I was actually talking to the Skywalker Ranch and he was just like, hey, I know people have mentioned this to you in the past, but have you thought about doing a meetup? I was just like, you know what? That's a breaking point. I'm going to make it official. We're going to talk about it in the server. So, uh, Dear JazzCon 2021 is a proposed, as of yet, unplanned event. So, everyone, chill your horses for now. But if it is a thing that becomes a thing, that would be very exciting. Uh, we are thinking about doing it sometime uh, in, De uh, not December, in September at Sandusky, Ohio's Kalahari uh, Water Park Resort and safari and fun fun times usa basically where we'll rent out a big suite room throw all of us in there eat pizza have fun go swimming record an episode live there and just like have a grand old time so if you're interested in that i pinned a message in our general uh channel where you can get some more tea and i create a new channel dear jazzcon 2021 in our discord server which you can join by pming either me or Fonny. um if you want more tea and if you have suggestions on that that's a good place to put them if you want to express your interest please do because that would be a great way to make this actually happen and i'd really really love this to happen also i want to take a moment to step back and really kind of like recognize just how truly humbled I am by the community response to our show and our podcast and our community that we have all cultivated. Like this is amazing. And I didn't know that the show would be still going on almost a year and a half later into its production. I know that the schedule can get a little bit fucky sometimes, but that's okay. Cause we're still like charging forward. And I just want to take a second to say thank you that we've gotten to the point where a meetup is now a reasonable thing that we can talk about and think about. I think that's really, really cool. So that's all I've got for community announcements. Fawny, please grace us with the knowledge that is Lolita fashion. Right after I, I just kind of point out, I, I hear that there's mini golf at this venue that you've picked out. Yes, there is mini golf, laser tag, escape rooms, an indoor and an outdoor water park, a swim up bar, uh, restaurants, amazing ice cream. Uh, the suite room has balconies that overlook the whole situation. It's the biggest water park in the world, don't you know? Or at least in oh America, God. I think so. It's a cool place, if I do say so myself. <laughs> that accent is everything. Thank you so much for that. I'm nowhere near as good at voices as juices, but I, I'm happy that I made you smile. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, okay, so we can get into Lolita fashion in one of many ways. Uh, I think the way that I kind of want to go is like the very basic knowledge uh, way of explaining what it is and why I got into it and mm-hmm. how I got into it for that matter. Um, the whole thing, all of Lolita fashion, Japanese Lolita fashion, is just a hobby where you collect and wear dresses and other accessories that fit into this sort of um, aesthetic that's very cute, very princessy, very elegant. Um, and it can manifest itself in, in many ways. It can be like really pink and really sweet with candies and sweets and uh, really cute things on all your accessories and dresses. Or it can be like really elegant and you look like you just came out of the Pride and Prejudice novels um, with a really fancy skirt that you'd like to sit down for tea in. Uh, or you can look like uh, you're just going to a punk rock show in like a black or plaid outfit with like gothy makeup on and all these kind of kooky, scary accessories with like bats and skulls and stuff. Um, so there's a bajillion different ways to like express yourself with Lolita fashion. It just kind of follows the same silhouette of like a nice uh, big skirt and accessories that all kind of go with this dress or skirt that you're wearing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. do you still want me to kind of give my outsider commentary and questions as we go along? Like we were talking oh, yeah. about? Okay, cool. Yeah, that would be really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So as most of you know, I have a more kind of androgynous gender presentation, kind of like the like a tomboy presentation, even though I am identifying hundred percent as a binary feminine person. Um, I don't know a ton about very high femme and, um, <clears throat> and Lolita style fashion. So Fani has asked me to kind of uh, not interject, but offer up my observations and questions to kind of keep the conversation rolling as a relative outsider. Um, so it sounds like this is very much um like a big part of it is Victorian style fashion. And like, that's the sort of like source material. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people kind of explain where Lolita fashion came from as uh, girls trying to bring historical fashion into street fashion. Mm. Right. Okay. Um, and I see your question, Maya Chu, uh, and I'll get around to it in just a second. Don't let me forget. Um, and yeah, it's it's very true that like uh, Rococo fashion, like the big side skirts that you see like Madame Pompadour and uh, Marie Antoinette can uh, very much influence um, the big skirts that you see in Lolita as well as like the mid-Victorian era where like you've got those big round hoop skirts, like think Civil War era outfits and their big hoop skirts. A lot of that uh, silhouette also comes into Lolita fashion. So yes. Historically, uh, historically inspired, absolutely. Awesome. And then the other thing that initially hit me is like, it's something that was like kind of cooking in the back of my mind, but I didn't have, you know, the language to articulate it until you said something. And what you said was collecting. And I, I guess I never approached it from the perspective of collecting and amassing a collection 
until you mentioned it just now. And but I kind of like realized that oh, people buy, sell, and trade pieces. Like I, I learned about that through you coming on the show, actually, one of the first times. Um, and then as soon as you said that, so much just like clicked for me because I was just like, oh, this is an aesthetic, and, and you have like a set of clothes that fit this aesthetic. Like I have my collection of goth clothes that I that I talk about fairly regularly on the show, but as soon as you said the word collector, I was like, oh, and it just like hit me that was cool Mm. uh yeah a big sort of unspoken part of the hobby is the collecting side of it like it's a tacit part of the culture where like everyone knows that you do it but you don't really say that you do it Mm -hmm. um and a lot of the collecting uh is focused on what sort of brands you can get your hands on and what sort of pieces and rare and valuable and interesting pieces you can get your hands on. So some people uh, go for those really unique pieces that there are only like a hundred of out in the world. Um, and there's a couple of dresses that are highly sought after. Like they are called Holy Grail dresses because you are not going to see them go for like less than a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars whenever they pop up for sale secondhand. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, no, these things are, uh, <laughs> they're, they're not a, a simple, simple concept, not a, not a cheap hobby either. Um, and then some people just kind of go for the stuff that makes their heart happy. Like it could be like um, a dress from an indie brand that you can fit a petticoat in that has like little penguins or something on it. And some people are like, yep, that's the one. That's my dream dress. That's the thing that my heart sings for. Um, so it really depends on the person, what they're going to go in and collect. Uh, for myself, I tend to collect the same style of thing. It doesn't matter where it comes from. I just like certain materials and motifs. I love it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm sorry, this is off topic. If y'all hear like a low frequency hum in the background, that's my fan because I am... I have the chills, but also I'm sweating. So I have the fan going. I try not to have it going during the show. Please forgive me for this one time. Um, Fonny, that sounds very in line with what a lot of people in Second Life, Final Fantasy XIV, and to a lesser extent, WoW do with collecting outfits and brands in there. Because especially in ff14 people collect like a bunch of different transmog pieces to make outfits and you can save them and that's what people refer to as this is what the game is actually about like the raids are fun but the fashion aspect and like collecting pieces is really cool and the reason why i say that is because i know that there's a huge contingent of the show that plays ff14 so i was thinking like maybe this would be a great way to like frame it and everything That's really, uh, that's a very good comparison because there are some people who will go for pretty much anything that they think would look good on their character. And then there's the people who are like, nope, I'm going for the thing that sells the the highest. I want that thing because it's rare and I want to be cool in it. Mm -hmm. Same thing for Lolita fashion. Awesome. So (laughs) uh, please uh, keep going. Tell us more, please. Oh, yeah. So I do want to circle it back around to Maya Chu's uh, question. Yeah, go for uh, it. That's in the live chat right here, asking, how do I feel about Brolita? Um, and Brolita, uh, where it's 
the word bro, like brother, and then the end of Lolita, um, is a way to refer to people who I usually identify as, as male uh, wearing Lolita fashion. Because Lolita fashion is so feminine, you would think, oh, only girls wear this. But that's not really true. And some people who identify as male kind of want to call themselves a Lolita just to be like, I'm a guy who wears it. Um, I love it. I think it's great. Uh, I do wish that there wasn't, that there didn't have to be like any sort of distinction, but I think that saying that you're a Berlita is like a good way to kind of get yourself into the community if that's how you feel comfortable identifying yourself to get into it. Um, and I, I really do think that anyone can wear Lolita, no matter what your gender expression or identity. Yeah, I, I support yeah, it. That's oh, awesome. I'm, I'm a huge fan of seeing uh masculine identifying people wearing clothes they're not that are not traditionally masculine that's like one of my favorite one of my absolute favorite things ever and mm-hmm. and to be to be absolutely clear uh obviously i know the difference but to the viewers at home there is very clearly a difference between the femboy community and the brolita side of the lolita community though there i i'm i can only guess that there's a good like crossover and everything but these are very like you know separate things yeah they are separate and there is definitely some crossover where you see some people wanting to do femboy which is how i see it I may be wrong. Please correct me if I am. But femboys tend to be slightly or very sexualized. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they'll wear Lolita dresses for this. And I think that's totally fine. It's just clothes. Um, and then, yeah, there's there's Lolitas or Lolitas who are male um, who just like to dress up and feel pretty. And they're not doing it for any sort of sexual attention at all. And both are good. Yeah, I definitely like I I follow a lot of femboys on Twitter. That's like one of my guilty pleasures. And there's it's really cute because there are a ton who are like very sexual. And there's a ton that are just like, this is just my everyday aesthetic. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love this. This is great. This is just like your thing. My issue is talking about Ladybeard. In the I have chat. a picture with Ladybeard. I have a Polaroid no in my wallet of Ladybeard. Do you want to see? Yes, yes, I love Ladybeard. So show us yeah, yeah, and yeah. then tell us who Ladybeard is. Okay, I'll be back in 20 seconds. Okay, I'm going to entertain the masses. Hi, everyone. Quick diversion to talk about Camp Buddy. Camp Buddy is a awesome erotic visual novel uh, that where you go to camp, you meet some really cute boys, and then you have a lot of sex, and it's great. There's over 300 unique illustrations, a bunch of animated cutscenes, original soundtrack, voice acting, you name it. You can use our affiliate links on adultswithgod.com. And that is the end of our spot. Fawny, perfect timing. Hi. I came back with my brand wallet from Baby the Star Shine Bright. Beautiful. Oh, my God. Oh, brand. I'm so into this that even my wallet is... Japanese Lolita brand. That's me at a tea party. That's one of my very first outfits. Oh. And there's me with Ladybeard. <gasps> yeah. I'm, I'm actually wearing the brown dress with pink fawns on it that's behind me in this photo that I have with Ladybeard. Yes. Gosh, I was such a cutie. Oh my god. And I've gosh. got a big twin tail wig. Like that thing was so heavy. It had these big curls. And they're all synthetic. 
so plastic and it got real hot really fast under all those curls oh yeah no wigs are the devil Mm -hmm. that is beautiful so please please regale us with who lady beard is uh lady beard is a japanese wrestler he's australian i believe and uh he went to japan to pursue a career in something or other and he got into wrestling and his persona is a very strong man with a beard who wears dresses and other very girly clothing for his like yeah for his wrestling career and other pursuits in music um he is currently working with a couple of girls and their band name is baby beard i want to say it's baby beard now i think so yeah yeah, because they used to be Lady Baby, and then there was the one where he was with another female, um, like, power lifter. She was very strong, and they did music together, and now he's with um, either the same two as before or another two. I can't remember, but now it's Baby Beard. And if you haven't heard Lady Beard's music, uh, please do. It's really good. It's really cute. It's and good. so cute. Is that a Digimon trading card? Hell yeah, it is. Uh, this Hell is my yeah. favorite. My favorite is Gabumon. Hell yeah. One of my regulars at work brought in his collection because he heard me mention that I love Digimon. And he gave me one of his cards. He gave me my favorite one. Yo, that's wholesome. Yep. So wholesome. I also have somewhere a Groudon card. Ooh. Uh, from yet another person that I know from work who heard that I love Groudon and just happened to have some Groudons on him. And he brought in a card of Lizard Daddy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, uh, my tastes are very predictable. Good. Your tastes are very good. <laughs> <laughs> if it kind of looks like Godzilla, I want it. Yes. So, um back to the dresses yes back to the dresses after that very fun diversion yeah but yeah uh ladybeard smelled great um <gasps> yes <laughs> kind of smelled like cotton candy whenever i met him yes um, matt mercer also smelled great i've All heard that just yeah. i've heard that matt and mercer smells pretty. really good <gasps> oh oh my god goals <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it was very early in the morning, so that made my entire day. Uh, anyways, back to all of this stuff, and I'm gesturing at the Lolita dress that I have on a dress form behind me. Yes. Um, should I get into how I got into it next? Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Okay. So it's a very simple story. I read Chobbits. That's it. Uh. I read Chobbits. And I saw the dresses and I wish that they were real. And then like five years later, I was like, oh, they are real and I can buy them. Well, here we are. Goodbye, wallet. Yep, pretty much. Hello, brand wallet. I was going to say that is I feel like that's a very um, common pipeline from from my own independent research. The Chobits to Lolita fashion pipeline is almost a one-to-one ratio. Yeah. Chubbets, Rose and Maiden is another big one because all of the sort of femme characters in there 
wear historically inspired and very Lolita-esque clothes um, to the point that Lolita brands have made actual real-life versions of the Rose of the Maiden dresses. Ooh. Yeah, so if you search up, like, Innocent World, Rose of the Maiden, you'll see all the, like, the, the collaboration dresses that they made. Um, and I know that there's a, a few others. Like, Rose of Versailles gets some people into, like, historical costuming and then also Lolita fashion. Um, and, yeah, so, like, the, the anime and manga pipeline to Lolita fashion pipeline is, is a very short pipeline. Very common. <laughs> I was going to say, that's a one-block pipeline. Yes. Yes. Um, And then some people get into it from other sources, like, oh, they saw, like, a cute outfit online and were like, what's that? And then started Googling. Or, like, they get into it through their friends um, a lot of times. Mm. Or, like, they'll actually meet a Lolita in real life and be like, whoa, that's wild. And they'll ask her what it is and then go off and find it online. Awesome. And now here I am telling all of, all of you about it. And now you're going to look up pictures and be like, wow, that's so cool. That's so totally us. Yeah. So in the show's intro, you use the term Harajuku. And I know that there is a lot of confusion around the term. And there's a lot of proper translations and mistranslations. And some people know what it means and some people don't. I've heard it translated as orange juice before. Can you please oh. enlighten us on Harajuku? Harajuku is a region. It is an area um, inside one of the cities of Japan uh, that's kind of known as the fashion, like one of the fashion capitals. Like that's the place where you go to get weird fashion and you go hang out there in your weird fashion. Kind of like how Akihabara is like the anime and manga place to be in Japan. Harajuku is the street fashion place. Ah. So, like, Gwen Stefani had her Harajuku girls so-called because they wore interesting clothes. Okay. They weren't girls or anything like that. They were just girls that you would find on the streets of Harajuku wearing interesting clothes. So, Daddy and I are planning an eventual trip to Japan. I'm definitely going to mark that down where are goth outfits here yeah you're gonna want to go and like put a mayo and h naoto for sure mm-hmm. and yep That's those are awesome. the two that i know oh and maybe atelier piero i love them very size inclusive these days oh good good now that's mm-hmm. another thing that i want to ask about is um in our in our world uh, that we're that we're currently living in, um, social justice has done a ton of really good work and a ton of areas. And one of those is body positivity. We've seen a ton of brands, um, especially some like boutique and smaller brands and independent brands really embrace um, accessible sizing options. Like I was just mm-hmm. on Tomboy X uh, today and their sizes, they just added up to five X. I'm just like, this is great for the people who need a binder up to five X. There you go. There it is. And it's like really cool. Um, and a lot of people, I've seen online have like, oh, this is the ideal Lolita body type. And there's a lot of people who are like, oh, the clothes are so tiny. You have to be tiny. And there's like some gatekeeping there. Uh, can you speak to like the sizing 
uh, situations uh, in regards to like availability uh, and then in like Lolita stores and everything. Give us the tea on that. Speak to everything in the entire Lolita community on like sizing and why sizing is the way that it is, especially for the Asian stores. I have no clue why some of them do the sizes that they do. Um, I myself was a plus size person and have experienced shopping as a plus size person. And back in the day, it was hell. It was awful. Like no one had anything. Um, these days, like in the past three or four years, there's been an explosion of size inclusivity. Um, the Japanese stores were notorious for offering like one size only, and it would only fit like a American small through like kind of on the bigger medium side. That was it. Uh, nowadays, some of them have expanded, so now they can fit like a larger extra-large person, and some of them have even gone so far as to say, we are doing a completely separate line, um, and not just saying we're going to add a bunch of el elastic to our dresses, we're actually going to make a standard, I say this with air quotes, a standard size of our piece, and then a plus size of our piece, where it's got its own pattern, so it's going to fit you right Oh, good, good. Yeah, so Metamorphose, their entire name is Manifestange, Metamorphose, Tom Defeat, but we call, we call them Meta. Um, they've done the, the plus size line thing where they take their dress and they make a beautiful made for plus size bodies version of it. Could we get a link to that in the chat? Yes. Yep. Awesome. Um, the name is stupid. I know. You have a very nice clicky keyboard. I just want to give you that, like that, that very, that the complimentary feedback. I love the sound of your keyboard. Oh, thank you. It's a MacBook. Yeah. But, um, that is, and the reason why I asked for the link is because the show has a very strong listener base of trans femme people. And one thing that we really struggle with is a lot. And I say a lot of us, obviously not all of us, because we're not all the same, but a lot of trans feminine people find themselves shopping in the larger sizes and plus size sections of women's clothing. Like, for mm -hmm. example, I do a lot of my shopping at Torrid for like my everyday and my professional wear, just because Torrid fits me really, really, really well, because not only... Uh, am I a trans girl? But I also inherited my mother's frame. And my family is very, like, <laughs> very uh, Irish and Scandinavian. So we, so the women in my family are uh, built like Viking warrior ladies. And we love mm -hmm. that. And also it can be difficult for us to find clothing because of the fashion world and everything joe says that's hot thank you very much that actually that does a lot more than you know for my self-esteem i really appreciate that so hearing that a company makes clothes that can fit my body and i can feel cute in is amazing especially oh, yeah. that can fit my uniquely trans body because that's also very much and you know, that's a rarity and that's really really cool so thank mm -hmm. you so much for sharing that with us. I'm going to throw this in the show notes. Uh, please don't let me forget. If I upload the episode and you don't see it in there, please send me a ping. Be like, hey, dumbass, you forgot the link. 
<laughs> I will make sure that it's in there. I actually have a plus size shopping resource uh, spreadsheet that the Lolita community has made and spread around as a place Ooh. for people to um, just add in the shops that they know have plus sized pieces. So whenever you're shopping, you just have this uh, this huge link list for all sorts of countries and all sorts of styles. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking so, at yeah, the Japanese. Website. Oh, I'm sorry. You keep going. Okay. I'm looking at the site right now and all of these outfits look so, so cute. Mm-hmm. They're going to be expensive, but they're going to be cute. Right. And that's the other thing is this is not a cheap hobby as you're talking yeah. about. Whenever you're looking at the yen prices for these pieces, um, you can kind of shorten up the number to um, convert it to U.S. dollars by just taking off the zeros at the end or the two last numbers at the end. So mm. if you see one that says 27500, that's going to be around $275. Which for a custom piece is not a bad price. Yeah. Uh, it's it's for this is more um, like high street, more more luxury goods. These are dresses that are made well with good materials that are going to last a long time if you take care of them. We're like I know that people are used to buying a t-shirt for like ten dollars and being able to wear it for a couple seasons, and that's good enough. Uh, I really like my stuff to last a long time because I'm cheap, but like in the buy nice boots so that you can wear them forever sort of cheap way. Mm -hmm. So I like Lolita and the uh, emphasis on having these things last a long time. So you're not putting as much in the landfill aspect of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of tying it back to another reference point, because I know that there are some inflatable fans that listen to the show. Um, a lot of people will ask like, why would you ever spend a thousand dollars on a pool toy? And it's because some brands like Puffy Paws, um, they will literally last for decades. If mm -hmm. you like take care of them right and you know what they're doing and you know what you're doing, they will continue to like be in service and in rotation for a very, very long time. And the whole idea is like you pay a premium for a premium product. And also that gets into the question of, you know, not everyone can afford this. And then there's knockoffs and everything. But for the original product, there's absolutely a level of quality. And just looking at the Metamorphos site, like just looking at these tiny JPEGs, you can like tell. And I feel like that's very telling. Yeah. Uh, I feel like if they have a whole bunch of effects on the photo or if they have like um, a model that you can tell has filters on them in the photo, then maybe the piece that you're going to be getting is lesser quality than you think it might be. Um, right. So you always kind of have to be really careful and know what you're looking for whenever you're shopping for Lolita online. Uh, but yeah, I just kind of want to circle back to the, the plus size conversation because yes. yes, the Japanese yes. brands have always been notorious for being smaller. Uh, and some of them are branching out. Some of them have always branched out. Maxis and Mam has always branched out and had a plus size line. And I love them. They're a little lesser known, but they're beautiful and definitely worth looking at. Uh, there are a bunch of Chinese brands that uh, have been really, really busting the market uh, in a good way for the past decade or so. Um, Infanta is one of my favorites. And they've always had 
more plus sizes. Like back when I was a plus size person, I loved Infanta because their blouses would fit me. Um, and they've also got some brands like Miss Point who will actually offer custom sizing. So you give them your measurements and they make that dress that you want specifically for you in your size. Mm-hmm. So that takes a little bit of hunting to like find the ones that'll make a custom size, but they do exist. So you can get anything that you want in your size. Awesome. Uh, and then there's Western brands. And I say Western to like encompass all of North America and Europe and um, uh, a couple of the other sort of smaller countries that maybe only have like one brand in them. Like Poland, I think only has one brand or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Polish brand that I know of, Lady Sloth, has fantastic sizing options. All of hers go up pretty high as well. And the designs that she makes, super cute. I've had Lady Sloth pieces before, and I've loved them. Uh, unfortunately, I sized myself out of them by losing weight. So I sold them to other people who would appreciate them. Nice. Yeah, I don't like to size down my dresses if I like lose weight, because I know that someone else is going to appreciate having that larger dress. Mm-hmm. Um, any other piece of clothing, like if I thrift it, I'll size that down, but like Lolita dresses, because there's, there were at least so few plus size dresses, I would just pass them on to someone else. Um, that's super thoughtful. Yeah. I would have appreciated someone like giving up their plus size dress for me whenever I was plus size. So I just Mm -hmm. pass it along. Um, and yeah, there's a, a booming secondhand market full of these dresses that are in very, very good condition um, because people tend to take care of them. Uh, and it's worldwide. You can get secondhand dresses from China, Japan, all of the Western countries just as easily as you can shop for them brand new. How can people um, avoid buying uh, fakes and counterfeits and know that they're buying either a real firsthand piece or, or, or an authentic secondhand piece? Yeah. Uh, so I just want to preface this by saying, yeah, I don't like replicas because they're often way lower quality than the originals. Mm-hmm. But if you just want a Lolita dress as a costume piece, like if you just want to be a pretty princess, go ahead and buy that replica. I'm not going to judge you for it. Um, if you want to get into Lolita as a collecting hobby, maybe save up and get something a little nicer. But you can generally tell by like some of the notions Uh, And notions means like the trim and lace and ribbons that are put on a dress. Mm -hmm. It's like you've got the fabric of the dress and then you've got the notions that kind of accessorize it. Um, You can kind of tell by the notions, like if the lace seems really cheap and awful and pokey and plasticky, that's probably going to be a lower quality good. Mm. Um, And sometimes you can tell because there will be like a brand name on the print of the dress that won't match the brand name of the company selling it. Ah, uh, gotcha. So it'll be like, it'll say baby, the stars shine bright, but the company name will be dream of Lolita. And you'll be like, that doesn't match. So sometimes just searching up the name on the dress will show you, Oh, that's another brand. Um, and sometimes it'll have a print name. Every single dress has its own item name. So if a, a dress has cats on it, maybe it'll be called sweetie cat. Um, so you can just search up whatever print name they've put in there and see if that comes up with another brand with that dress. Um, 
but often like knowing what is a replicant and what isn't is just a matter of spending time looking at these things and being like, oh, I've seen that before. Where have I seen that? Oh, right. That was designed by someone else. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. goth community, uh, we have the exact same problem is, you know, they're really notable in huge brands like uh, Trip NYC. Um, a lot of people know them because of Trip Pants. Like they like they are called that because the company made them is kind of like like saying scotch tape or Band-Aid. Same idea. Mm-hmm. But um, other brands like specifically Restyle gets uh, copied a lot. There was one that kind of shawl I was looking at that originally was like $70, $80 that is up on Amazon for like 20 And the one on Amazon, yeah. it's literally just like cheap fleece with screen printed like uh, notions on them. Whereas the real one is like this really thick, heavy, like quality material. And it is so rampant. And I can only imagine it is as bad or almost worse in the Lolita community. Uh, I'd say it's kind of on par with everything else. Uh, I see a lot of sort of reproduced punk and golf goods floating around on the, the aesthetic sites that I like to visit. And it's kind of a good rule of thumb to not shop for Lolita on Amazon. Mm-hmm. There's a lot there, but it's it's all going to be um, costumey. It's going to yeah. be a like a definitely a lower quality synthetic material. And synthetics like polyester, I don't like because I'm a sweaty person, and they don't those fabrics don't breathe. They don't. They don't let your body expel heat uh, in a productive way. So you're going to get real sweaty and itchy in fully polyester, lower quality dresses. Right. Uh, Fawny, any closing thoughts before we get into the, uh, the question segment of the show or anything else you want to touch on? Oh, uh, yeah. I just kind of like wanted to reiterate that I think Lolita fashion is for everyone. I think you can dip your toe in and just get a dress and make dress go spinny and be just as legitimate as the person who has a closet full of um, like $300 brand. And I think that it's, it's worth trying at least once for everyone. Like you can find pieces for lower prices, especially from uh, independent Chinese brands. They make their dresses pretty much as good as anyone else, but they're just a little cheaper. So if you don't find buying from China, Go for it. All right. Awesome. Uh, Fani, thank you so much for coming back on and talking uh, about uh, more Lolia stuff. We talked a little bit in the past about it, but I'm always excited to learn more and more and more about it. So thank you so much once again for letting us pick your brain, as it were. And that, no problem. And uh, thank you for kind of like just letting me explain this in a way that's like, oh, this is a hobby that's completely separate from like everything else. It's its own thing. Um, I know that a lot of age players and other kingsters love the aesthetic of it because it ties in so well to whatever they're uh, into in other realms. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love just explaining it as it is 
as its own like little thing. Um, if you want to mix it with other stuff, that's totally cool. I don't, but that's me. And if mm-hmm. you wanted to say, oh, this Lolita dress would be so cute on my little, have at her. They're just clothes. Hell yeah. But yeah, no, I'm absolutely in favor of people talking about their special interests. Like, go off. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Fani, we have uh, mm-hmm. some questions. We don't have too many, but we have a little bit of a backlog to catch up on. Uh, the only one that is not in our PowerPoint is the last one that was posted by Maya Chu. So we'll get to that one when we get there. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you want to take the first question or do you want me to? Uh, we've got one, two, three, four, five. The second one is quite long. Do you want to do lots of reading or a little reading today? I want to do a little reading. Okie dokie. You take the short ones. Cool. This is from Pastel Dinos. Pronouns she, her. Uh, Dear Jazzy and Fawny, what are some unconventional themings that y'all like, uh, that y'all like that could be used uh, for a power dynamics center scene, interpret the term themings as y'all please. So I'm going to have to think on this one. Um, one that I've definitely seen, I thought was really, really hot was um, in terms of a power dynamic scene, it, it kind of plays into objectification and objectophilia was one person had um, their partner in a latex suit and said suit had handles on it like a pool toy and they were riding them like that i was like oh fuck this is hot (laughs) so that's like the first thing that pops into my mind uh i'll I'll think on it some more but funny do you have anything right off the bat uh i kind of want to say a head chef and wait staff (laughs) restaurant setting okay Okay. Because uh, head chefs are, are notorious for being very much the dom in the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I don't want to say like food dom, but like he's or she. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just think of all head chefs as just like forbidden daddies. <laughs> so. So what you're saying is it would be really cool if someone took two slices of bread in bed, put them to your head and said, what are you? And it is sandwich. Oh my God. I did. Yeah, like yeah. The way that you reply to chefs is yes, chef is like, yeah, oh, that's a, that's an honorific if I've ever heard one. Yeah, for real. And it's like, I didn't know that chef was an honorific for someone who's like been through training and been through culinary school and like been through like, was the protege of someone that was like all new to me. And then also I definitely hit daddy with like, yes, chef in bed one time because he and I watch a fuck ton of hell's kitchen and kitchen nightmares. (laughs) So just like imagine Gordon Ramsay's fucking blonde raisin face (laughs) and everything. But, um, you know, chef, I have not thought of that, but I really love that. Do you have strong feelings about, uh, do you have strong feelings about uh, barista is the word I was looking for about coffee shop barista and regular customer. No, I am a barista. Oh, so you're the dom in that situation. <laughs> Who's the dom? Is it, it the, is it the regular customer or is it the barista or are they both switches? 
Okay. I think it's both switches um, because they annoy each other in very specific ways. And I think that's, that's uh, very um, indicative of like a switch relationship. Oh, I dig that. Or like, yeah, the customer will, will come in and be like, can you do it like extra hot, no foam? And the barista will be like, that's, I hate you. And then they hate fuck. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so good. I love that. Yeah, also... asking for anything extra hot, no foam is, uh, fuck you. <laughs> Because you have to, you've got the steam wand that you put into the liquid to make it go bubbly. And the more you put the steam wand in, the more bubbly it gets. But like, if you put it in for too long, it'll scald and it gets more bubbly. So asking for extra hot no foam is just, how? You hate me, don't you? Literally. The f- Can the I have fun- four shots of espresso? Oh, God. Which, don't get it twisted, I drank raw espresso, and it's delicious. Out of, like, the tiny little cup, like a little, you know the little espresso cups that are, like, this big? I love that so much. Classic. Yeah, no, it's, uh, Dad bought a set, Dad meaning my father, not Dad D. But when we go over for our weekly uh, tea, alcohol, and coffee sessions, uh, he'll, he he got a little set of like this espresso set for the new coffee maker, which has like a wand and everything. It's just like, you know what? I'm over 60 years old. I deserve to have some cool things. I'm like, you go dad, you go. And one of the things was a coffee maker. So he's been making espressos for me and it's really cute. I'm so jealous. I want a Breville for my kitchen. Like Mm. one of the Breville's with both the espresso, um, espresso head and also the steam wand. Nice, nice. I would like that. Please and thank you, Santa, for Christmas. I'm very, very excited to be getting, hopefully, fingers crossed, a KitchenAid artisan mixer. Because (gasps) I know, I know, I know it's very exciting. Because a lot of what I make um, involves dough. And kneading by hand sucks. So... (laughs) And I've had a mixer before. That's one of the things that I lost in my breakup with my ex. But the dough hook attachment is a life changer if you're making French bread or bagels or cookies or pizza or bread or any kind of dough or any type of baking anything. It is a lifesaver and I and I need it. And then mm-hmm. Daddy, yes. Daddy wants a Vitamix because his thing is like smoothie so we're just like between the three of us we're going to just go and have a fucking spread of a kitchen yeah uh we just got a soda stream and uh, i gotta say it's great nice very nice yeah i would like to say yes chef to my soda stream uh, yes chef oh jesus Jazzy, don't <laughs> make this weird don't make this weirder than it has to be we were literally talking about yes chef as a dynamic i know I brought this on myself. Shall we move on? Yes, we shall. It is your turn. Okie dokie. And this one's from Anna, pronoun she, her, uh, who asks, Dear Jazzy and Fonny, so here's a question about Transformation King stuff. I want to ask you about your thoughts on it. If you have any, parentheses such as specific kinds you might like, and so on, and and as well as your thoughts on a conflict I have regarding it. So to me, Anna says, TF is all about... um, imagining myself becoming my idealized self 
And while that shifts enough to the point where ideally I'd just be a shapeshifter, I sometimes get paranoid that this level of idealization on something quite literally impossible might be harmful to me in the long run. It ends up making me feel ashamed for it or even launching me into bouts of dysphoria sometimes. I also feel like engaging in scenes or roleplay involving like non-con TF might be ruining it for me too. Taking any positivity out of it, even out of scene, it's still TF into something I'd like. Uh, apologies for the long questions from Puppy Tamer. Oh, no. Aw, Puppy Tamer. You know, that's that's tricky. Um, because, you know, I do know a lot of trans people who are into TF. And this is actually something I have heard before about how it can it can cause issues with dysphoria. And that's one thing that a lot of people have trouble with. Uh, if they're into fetishes that can't be replicated in reality, like Vor or TF or Hyper or Macro, just things that can't, that can only be simulated, but never replicated in reality. And it can cause uh, discord for them. Uh, even more so if the person is going through bouts of dysphoria, that's really, really rough. And I want to start the answer by saying like, you know, like I hear you and I see you and that really, really sucks. Um, and when it comes to TF specifically, it's not a kink that I have, but I definitely see a lot of people online. They're like, Oh, I drink the TF potion. I'm TFing into a toilet seat. <laughs> and it's like, there's a lot of people that take pot shots at TF and, and I do think it, those are, are sometimes funny, but I'll mainly because like, I saw one person who was like totally seriously, like my fetish is TFing into a tampon. And I'm just like, okay, that's kind of silly, but also I'm not going to king shame you, but that is kind of silly. And we can all like laugh with <laughs> Anna says TF me into a girl without mental illness. Fuck me too. Me too. Um, hey, but um, but when it comes to like, you know, the you know, there definitely are some times where I was in a, a long form role play, and it's just like sometimes it is a bummer. It's just like, wow, I will never be my character. Funny said F in the chat. I'll throw an F at that. Um. Is there are times where you know it really sucks and you really want to be your character? And some people in Second Life have said like, "I really want to be my avatar, but I can only experience that through Second Life and through my avatar." And it's like an RP, text RP, or video RP is like very much the same way. You're putting on an identity. You're creating a self. It, it's very much like a sense of becoming. It kind of lends itself to transhumanism in a lot of ways. It's, it's very, very deep why TF can like create these feelings in some way. And no one ever wants to talk about it. They just want to talk about like, Oh, TF into a lamp and just, yeah, it's silly, but you know, there's some really like media philosophy and stuff that one could talk about in there. Uh, when it comes to TFing into your idealized self and being a shapeshifter, you, you know, in a lot of ways, trans people are cool because we can kind of 
we have very limited options, but we can TF into a lot of different things. And that's kind of what the process of transition is like and why I really loved my second puberty is because it was a sense of becoming and everything. (laughs) I see you're saying you're already a shapeshifter when you think about it. Uh, Yeah. In a way, a transition is just a really, really slow shapeshift. Um, And that's specifically speaking about gender transitions. People have all sorts of becomings all the time, whether they're alternative and they're through the process of stretching, engaging their ears. Like it took me a year and a half to get my ears gauged to the size they're at now, which are still very, very small by comparison. For those keeping score at home, I'm at a zero. Um, Or like the process of getting... Uh, intricate mods done or getting additional piercings or working on a tattoo bodysuit. They're all becomings and they're all like journeys and processes and everything just like transitioning is. And TF a lot of times it's just like an instantaneous in like the fiction of, and the fiction that I've seen and the fantasy of that I have seen is just very like drink the potion, poof, done and everything. And, you know, the, there definitely were some times where it's just, I, I kind of look at my second life avatar as like, fuck, I really wish I was like that. And then I quickly switch back to my furry avatar and it's just like, okay, now I know I will never be a blue anthropomorphic husky in real life. So there's a suspension of disbelief there. But, you know, there are other games where it's, it's just like, if I'm playing as a human and for a long time I was creating idealized versions of myself in character creators. And it was actually really negatively affecting my mental health because I'd be playing, let's say an MMO for like hours and hours and hours and hours on end, as you do looking at what I wanted to be like. And it was just like, fuck this sucks. And then in uh, FF 14, I created a character that was, a lot closer to how I looked IRL with like my bone structure and everything, but still gave her some, you know, reasonable features that I would like. And I was kind of playing with this character. I was like, this is a lot more attainable and looking at this character doesn't make me hyper dysphoric. And this is awesome. So there's a lot of things at play in this question. And it's, you know, one of the things is like, suspension of disbelief uh reality versus uh a creative fantasy the sense of becoming transformations metamorphosis this is a very very deep and complex question and i definitely want to like thank you for sending this in and i hope that you know you find some clarity in your journey and everything because it can be you, you know dysphoria really 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 sucks but um oh yeah <laughs> Thank you for answering it too. Thank you for sending it in. Um, no problem. Uh, this was a really, really deep question. I hope that my answer, I feel like I didn't really get anywhere with the answer. So I'm going to talking stick it over. Yeah, that was, uh, I really enjoyed listening to you answer that one. Cause I know that this is way more in your um, realm of knowledge than it is in mine. Oh gosh. I, I, I haven't had that many issues with dysphoria, mostly around my weight or like wanting my face to be prettier. And then, you know, I aged a little and 
felt that I was fine. And I don't know where that came from. It just kind of happened. So I'm sorry that you're going through this, Anna, and I hope it just kind of happens for you too, that you're just comfortable with yourself. Um, for me personally, because that's like really the only way that I can speak to this. Um, for me personally, it was a lot of faking it till I made it and saying, yep, I'm the coolest. Yep, I'm the best. Yep, I'm the prettiest. And it just kind of fell into place. I didn't listen to anyone else who might have been like, oh, your hair would be so much cuter if you did X or Y or Z. Um, I just kind of like did my own thing and said, this is the best. And eventually I believed it. And I didn't worry about it anymore. Every now and then I'll catch myself and be like, oh, man, wish my chin was different. And then later on I'll be like, but that costs money and that's expensive and I'm not going to do that. And it's already pretty good. So at least I have a chin. I feel you on the chin thing is like, I, uh, I have very strong feelings about my chin. And everyone's like, oh, it's so cute though. It's just like, when I look at it, I hate it. But everyone tell around me tells me it's great. So I know. You only get to see it from like one angle though. And if you exactly. see it in photos, then you're only seeing it still. And I get to see you when you're smiling and when you're laughing. Oh. And I get to see like your chin and your entire beautiful face in action. I'm and watching. Yeah, I don't I don't think your brain is doing you justice at all. And, you know, that's exactly what it is, too. It's like, you know, one of Gerard Way's uh, quotes, one of my favorite quotes from them was, um, it's my fucking face and I'm allowed to be sick of it if I want to. And it's just like, that mm -hmm. is so true. And at the same time, we will never see ourselves without a mirror. So we'll never see what we truly look like. And that can create a warped sense of perception of one's image because we'll never see ourselves outside of our own body. And mm -hmm. that, that quote hit me years later after first hearing that. And I was like, fuck, now I know what it means <laughs> and everything. Yeah. Like everyone's yeah. their own worst critic, right? Truly, truly. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I'm still my own worst critic. Like I still have those thoughts on the inside. But uh, in the car earlier, I was remembering um, a phrase that I heard a long time ago that's really stuck with me where um, sometimes you'll get negative thoughts in your head. And there's kind of two parts to it. There's like, yeah, you get the thought in your head. And that's the first part. And that one's not so bad. But then there's the second part of acting on that thought. That's where the badness comes in. So it's like, yeah, you're allowed to like think things about yourself. That's fine. But acting on those thoughts and like dwelling on them or saying them out loud or taking them as true, especially when it's a negative thought about yourself. Um, that's where sort of all that negativity comes in and that can really fuck you over. Yeah. Yeah. Also works for like how you think about other people where it's like, oh, the thought will come into your head and you'll be like, huh, that's an interesting thing she's wearing. But if you don't, say anything to her or treat her different because of that thing that you thought about her, then then it's fine. Yeah. Also listeners at home, that was not your telegram. That was my telegram. Sorry about that. Oh. <laughs> Oops. Every, every time without fail. All right. Uh, are we ready to go to the next question? Yes. 
Awesome. Once again, Anna, thank you for sending that in. That was really, really thought provoking and cool. Thank you. Uh, this next one is from Pastel Dinos again, pronouns she, her. Uh, Dear Jazz Club, what are the worst ABDL slash pet play pickup lines y'all can think of? JB and an Ford F-150. And I was thinking this over and I have a real slapper for you. Are you ready? On me. This is this is specifically a pet play. <clears throat> Nick knack paddywhack. Give this dog your bone. Uh, how many times have I quit now? I'd like to add <laughs> to that number eight. Oh my god. Anna did a key smash. And <laughs> I have a feeling that was probably the shittiest pickup line ever. Oh, geez. Yep. Are you even able to follow that? <laughs> I just I just have really terrible ones. Just like, oh, Do girl, it. is that a diaper in your pants? Or are you just oddly shaped? <laughs> Just happy to see me. No, or or you just oddly shaped. That's so fucking personal. Oh my god, (laughs) Jesus Christ! Oh, I'm sweating. That's why I can only bring it up for this because it's the worst. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god. I'm crying too. I'm glad we're both crying. <laughs> we got a box of Kleenex candy for this. Oh my god. Oh, oh fuck. <laughs> okay. So I'll read the next one, huh? <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> okay. Are you okay? <laughs> I will be. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I got but- this. I got this. <laughs> let's call me joe pronounce he him right <laughs> ooh, ooh, brr, brr. okay i'm better mm. dear jazzy and fawny as a sister show to the usual bet podcast yes we are shout out i'm curious have you ever thought about what a usual bet for you two would look like would you follow Sophie and Chloe's example and have the loser end up in diapers or would you put your own spin on it and what would it be? So for those who so aren't... I... Oh, yeah, you're going to explain it? Okay, thank yeah, you. Because I was just it. about to ask if you would. Okay, so for those who haven't listened to The Usual Bet, what are you doing with your life? They are a way better show than us. <laughs> and also, uh, The Usual Bet is a really, really cool show where it's a it's a ABDL, specifically ABDL discussion uh, padcast, which is what they call it, and I think that's really cute and clever. Uh, where every week they pose a question to their Discord, and it's just like, What do you like better, chicken nuggets or french fry? Obviously, that's not a real one, but they'll ask a question, and then the people will vote on it. And then one of the answers will have been brought up by Sophie, the other one by Chloe, whichever one wins is safe. And the loser winds up padded for the next episode recording. And that's like the whole shtick of the show. And I think it's really, really good. I really, really love their show. Um, but what would what would that look like for us? I, I saw you were excited. So please unload this upon me. 
oh, I don't even know. Like, there's so unique. And from like a, a marketing perspective, I wouldn't want to like tread on any toes by being too similar, you know, where it's just like, we're a small community. You don't want to do anything too similar. I don't even know where to start with this one. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, what like, would a usual if, bet for us look like? Obviously, we're not going to do a usual bet just because we don't want to step on on their toes, like you said. But if we were to do one, what would that look like? Mm, hmm. Maybe our favorite local foods. Okay. And then we, like, have the people vote on them. Yeah. Yeah, like okay. poutine or... Whatever you can get in Cleveland. Poutine. Really? Yeah. There's a really good poutine place here in Lakewood. <laughs> oh, no. It's awesome. Oops. Yeah. I okay. Took, uh, I took green Nick onion cakes. There. So good. Okay. I see that Joe says the loser has to dress up in the Lolita outfit. Um, That's a reward. I'm, I'm winning all the time by wearing my Lolita outfits wherever the, I damn well please. I was going to say, yeah, no, that sounds like a reward and also a standard. And also the whole, like, loser ends up in diapers. That also sounds like a given slash a reward. Right? For, it's like, like, oh, no, the bunny hops again. And I'm, like, oh. putting my arm across my forehead in a melancholic way. Like, oh, no. Again, what a punishment. Another diaper. How could I have expected this? It's because it's just such a fact of life. I feel like it with I feel like what would be appropriate for like the theming of like a show that's very specifically based on like sex and fetish and kink is just like loser has to like sit on a dick or something. <laughs> oh my god, this is so cute. I'm so mad that this isn't a visual show because everything you're put <gasps> Oh my god, cute brought out my Usukumiya rucksack, which is a large white rabbit backpack. Cute. And he's fluffy, and he wears a little lacy hood, and he's got little pink bows on his ears. Love it. Oh my god, Presh. Please tell and me you're bringing... And he was a couple hundred dollars. MBD. <laughs> I was literally about to ask, like, sorry, are you bringing them to TeddyCon? The answer is probably no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have um, a rabbit backpack as well, like one of the, the anime convention rabbit backpacks. He's stuck right somewhere. Yeah, I remember those. <clears throat> All right. So what would I feel like we have to find some sort of consensus? Like what happens when we lose our bets? Ooh, uh, the loser has to just do something completely embarrassing on Twitter. Oh, God, I like that. Loser yeah. has to write a poorly written Twitter smut. Yes, yes, yes. that's it. That's exactly there it. There it is. Move. You know I'm getting old whenever I move my arm and it just cracks and my elbow hurts now? <laughs> yeah, no, like whenever I move my bone snap and when I walk, my ankles go click, 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 click. <laughs> yep, yep, pretty much. All right. So uh there's that question shall we go on to the next one all right uh oh maybe the smut that was written would have to star ourselves with a topic chosen by the other person okay i like it yeah. where i'd be like okay jazzy 
you have to uh, write a smut where you are the diaper in a diaper TF. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I like that. And it's like, funny. It's a you... legit thing. Uh, I'm not into it personally. I think it's a little silly. So that's what I would bring up if I had to ask Jazzy to write something. And my one for you, Flonny, you have to be the passy in a passy TF story. Oh. Oh, no. Yeah. Both of them are pretty fucking <laughs> horrible. Enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Maybe someday we should try that one out. Let's not. <laughs> yeah. Let's I don't know move. if you can, like, see my facial expressions. I'm going through a... Um, a face story at the moment. I'm going through the stages of grief. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to acceptance in 20 minutes. I was going to say when the, when we're in the post show, that's when we'll reach catharsis. <laughs> All right. We are on All the right. second to last question. Uh, yeah. From Co. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this one is from Coco Poof Tartuffe. She her, who asks, Dear Jazmataz Party, Saturday I went to presenting female for the first time. Uh, I have to step out of this question and just say congratulations, Co. Yes, congratulations. That's a huge, huge accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Can we get like uh, a back into the class? Can we get like yeah, one round of applause? There we go. Yes. Yeah. Uh, back into the question continues. I went and had a nice two uh, nice day, two hours from home. Everything went much smoother and in a few cases much lovelier than I expected. On the way home, though, I stopped at a store that was still 30 minutes out and saw two people that I see at work almost daily. I'm not sure if they saw me or realized it was me, but how do I handle it if they out me at this at this very toxic southern job site? Love, Co. the kitten who may be overthinking it. Uh, wow. Uh, first of all, if they do that, fuck them. And also... Mm-hmm fuck everyone else that contributes to your job site being toxic. I can't really, no one can really help the geography of it, but the toxic part of it, that's stupid. And that sucks. Um, and if they do, it's really not their business and they don't have anything to gain from outing you. Just be like, why does it matter? At the end of the day, you're not hurting anyone and you're just enjoying a day out and away from work. Like more than anything, if what I've told a ton of people is just like, play it cool and play it off and be like, yeah, I was just enjoying a day out. And if you don't like give them the reaction they want, they'll just go like, oh, okay. Unless they really want to make a big deal out of it, in which case you can ask why are you so concerned about it? Why do you want to like see me undress to naked and fuck me after wearing women's clothes? And you can make it really awkward for them and totally turn it on them. But at the end of the day, if you know, you feel like you're in a situation where you can be outed, uh, fuck that workplace. And honestly, uh, I'm going to get out of my communist soapbox here. Uh, fuck capitalism 
in their guard where mm-hmm. it makes us feel like where we need to stay at toxic jobs be- in order to survive. That's stupid. We should not be forced to be at places where we fear for our safety. That's not okay. And also, I would check your local uh, LGBTQIA plus protections. Um, if you're in the southern states, probably not much. But it's always worth checking to see what you have to see if you can or cannot be discriminated against because of your identity at a workplace. And also, if they're going to try to like bring up stuff outside of work, that has no bearing on how you do your job. So it's just like, I, what I'm trying to say is like, definitely go into this with like confidence because you're the one that's like really in control of the situation. And all, if they choose to out you, all they're being is like bullies and showing the maturity of a four year old. And that's what the T is for real. Um, But like you said, we could totally be overthinking it and everything could be totally fine. And maybe they didn't recognize you. I remember when I was transitioning and some dickheads from my middle school came up to my counter at GameStop. Totally had no idea. No idea who I was. And it's just like, yes, I'm invisible. I have entered the witness protection program. And it was great. Uh, I'm going to talking stick here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't really have a lot of experience with this sort of stuff, but I can say like, A, if anyone says anything about it to anyone else at your job and it gets back to you, fuck those people. Fuck them rightly ass with something very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Ew. Just ew. It's my Valley Girl impression. Um, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Ew. That's not hot. That is um, not fetch. Oh god. Yeah. Um, and things that you can do are ignore it and or like ignore that person who comes to you with their concerns and tell whoever is in charge of you that this other person um, has said something that doesn't pertain to work at all. And it makes you uncomfortable and you'd rather not be around to that person. And hopefully that helps. Um, hopefully that gets your boss or your superior on your side. Um, so that if anything else happens, you can go to them and they'll back you up and say, Oh yeah, I heard about that. Um, and it was unacceptable. You can also tell that person that's kind of rude for you to bring up like stuff that doesn't pertain to work here at work. And I don't know why you would do that. Yeah. And you can also take the Southern lady route and say, bless your lost little heart. I hope oh. Jesus helps you understand what Ooh. it is to love your neighbor. Damn. <laughs> Ooh, the church scorn is real. <laughs> Damn. Um, I was going to say, Co, I know that you and I, we have the same pair of goth boots. So I'm not sure if you're on the same level as me, but you can totally follow the philosophy of talk shit, get hit. So just saying, if they talk shit, 
maybe they got another thing coming. I'm not going to say anything more on that because this podcast goes up on Spotify and iTunes, but you know what's going on. Don't get arrested. Don't get arrested. (laughs) Don't get arrested. Don't do it under a camera. Yeah, honestly, fuck cops. Yeah, fuck cops. Always remember, Gay Wrath Month comes after Gay Pride Month. There's my (laughs) advice. All right. Uh, one last question. This is from Maya Chu, pronouns she, her. Dear Jazzy and Fonny, do you think it would be... Oh, yeah, number four. Fuck. Oh, no. I was, I was doing so well. Damn. You can do it. I can There's do only this. a couple minutes left. I can do this. Do you think it would be more inclusive to switch to an all-encompassing term for LGBTQIA plus uh, community? Or to keep adding letters like we are doing now. If the former, uh, do you have a favorite term uh, you heard? Uh, if the latter, what should be added next from New and Learning Maya? Um, this, I really love the term queer and the, and the queer community, specifically because we've reclaimed it. However, there are a lot of uh, people in our community uh, specifically in Gen X, uh, the baby boomer generation and the generation above who do not uh, like the term. So it's inappropriate to use the term for people who do not identify with it. However, I have seen a lot of younger people say like, yes, we are the queer community. And in regards to uh, LGBTQIA+, it's, you know, it's a bit of a mouthful and there are a lot of letters to the point where one of the slurs for our community is the quote alphabet community. And it's just like, oh, great. Wonderful. And people are like, it's alphabet soup. It's, it's like cry harder. I, I really like focusing on the Q in LGBTQIA plus. And that is, you know, queer. And obviously the other cue is for questioning, but queer is a really good all-encompassing term. I'm not a huge fan of saying the gay community, just because gay community, it doesn't encompass gender identities and it creates a very, very specific image in people's heads. They're like, oh, gay pride parade. And it's just like, no, 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 this is a queer pride parade. This is everyone. And it, you know, it, it there's a whole, look, we have a lot of work to do in the queer community when it comes to like how we approach things and equity and all that stuff. And we're making some really good strides. Um, I feel another good way to put it is LGBTQ plus. And, and the counterpoint to that is like, Oh, that makes some identities lesser by putting them in the plus. It's a lot better than just saying LGBT. That's it. No plus, no Q, nothing. So for me personally, I like to default to queer uh, and the queer community, unless uh, someone tells me otherwise, like, please don't refer to me with that language. And if you're ever wondering, you can always um, ask, like, what language do you prefer? And that's how I usually roll. Uh, Fani, what do you think? You covered all the bases that I was kind of setting up for for myself. Um and, like, I remembered there was this one term that was brought up years ago. Um, and by years ago, I mean, like, four years ago. Oh, my God. Uh, and it was called MOGAI, which is Marginalized Orientations, uh, Gender... Marginalized... Orientations, orientations gender, gender Identities, 
and identities. And that sounds right. I thought it was a really good term, but it was so disputed for like being so encompassing and bringing in so many different terms that like a lot of people thought it was silly and shit on it and it disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like it in theory. In practice, I think it brings up too many arguments. Yeah. There so I say a... queer. Yeah. Unless otherwise asked not to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm n- I was never a huge fan of uh, that term specifically because one of the words is marginalized. And mm-hmm. yes, while queer people absolutely are marginalized, an important thing to remember is like, we need to focus on queer joy and the thing and like pride and the good things that get us through the bad and through the marginalization and that Mm -hmm. our community is not defined by its marginalization. And that was one of the primary arguments I saw against that is that we are defined by our identities and not by how people treat us. And that was like one of the biggest counterpoints I saw. And it's just like, yes, absolutely this. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, And I do subscribe to that argument as well. Um, I think the word marginalized was mostly used just to be um, sort of the opposite of straight and cis. It's like one is taken as normal and the other one is taken as the other and the other historically has always been marginalized. Mm -hmm. So like it makes sense. So in theory, cool. In practice, no. Yeah. So I say queer unless otherwise asked. And I think, uh, yeah, LGBT plus is valid. Awesome. Valid in a a valid way of using the word valid. Valid, valid, valid. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. We got one last uh, last minute question. Uh, Yes. Yes. I'm going to read this off real quick here. Uh, This is from Payne. uh, Pronouns they, them. Dear Jazzy and Fonny, I have been in a long-distance relationship uh, for about five years now and was wondering if you had any fun ideas for me and my caretaker to do to help out with the distance. And uh, we talked about this a little bit on the show before, but I'm absolutely going to bring it up again because this is a fantastic question. And thank you for uh, sliding that into the into the box uh, right here at the end to kind of bring us up and everything. I will never not recommend finding a fun game for you and your caretaker to play online, especially if it's something like Second Life, where you can, Mm -hmm. you know, set up a literal nursery that has interactable objects and everything. That is how I keep in touch uh, with my little family of my uncle Nif, uh, my brother Tonky, and my sister Ruka is... um, is through second life and we haven't played it recently, but they have a house. I have a house. It's full of like toys and games and fun stuff. And we are like our sonas and our idealized selves. And it really bridges the gap between continents and countries and States. Excuse me. Number five and all that stuff. (laughs) So I will never not recommend second life or any other game where you and your CG can directly interact. Um, I would also say never underestimate the power 
of a good video chat. And I feel like these are very like, no, duh, <laughs> kind of answers and everything. But obviously video chat. One thing that I absolutely love is uh, sending care packages because it's more than just pixels on a screen. It's more than just hearing it. It's, it's a very physical representation of someone's love for you because they picked those objects, hand placed them in the box, put the box in the mail. And like something I've seen is just like spraying it down with like their perfume or something or like their cologne or their, the scent that they wear. And I just think that's really, really precious. So not only is it very personalized from them, it also, you know, creates the sensory experience to a certain level of them. And it's just very, very precious and heartwarming. Um, Before I... No. Six. I'm still... Look, I'm doing great despite the fever, if I do say so myself. Thank you very much. Uh, Fonny, do you have... Recently vaccinated. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> My second Fauci ouchie. Uh, funny. What are your ideas? I was also going to uh, recommend um, using the mail. Uh, I think getting a postcard is always a fantastic way of keeping in touch with someone. And it's like a little physical memento of like, oh, this person touched this and wrote on this and it came to me through the mail and it took time to get to me. And now I get to return the favor with a cheap little postcard or Absolutely. a letter. Um like a letter where you send them a coloring page or a piece of art that you did. Um, and you can still put your scent on that if you really wanted to. Like if you've got something that you usually use, like a deodorant or a perfume, you can just put that on there. Um, I have a very distinct aroma to me because I use the same leave-in conditioner. And that's what my partner kind of recognizes. Like that's what they smell like is tropical because of my leave-in conditioner. Mm-hmm. Um so if I was to send him anything, I would put a little bit of my leave-in conditioner on there just for the scent. You Aww. know, might be a little bit weird, but like it makes sense. Um, and if you wanted to like send a care package, if you wanted to take it a step further and be like, "Here's my physical presence for you," uh, you can wear a t-shirt all day, and then put that in there. Like that's such a good idea. Put it in a Ziploc bag um, so that it like retains its essence and then put that in the care package and send it along with so like some candies and um just like other cute little things maybe a stuffed animal that you picked up uh at the store like a squishmallow hello squishmallows they're so fun they really are squishy we have like two of them downstairs mm-hmm. um or like a little trinket that you think would make their life better like a apple peeler or something i don't know Sure. Or just listen to them say, oh, man, my such and such broke the other day. And you can, like, send them a little cash to replace it. <laughs> Be like, I'm in your life. I bought that for you. Yeah, like trade Amazon wishlist. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, like, ways to not spend money is to, like, find things online that each other like and send it to them. Like, memes. I love sending memes to people. Yes, absolutely. I think that's- that's a perfect way of being like, I see you, I recognize you, and I know what you like, and I'm going to send you this meme because I'm pretty sure you're going to find it funny. Funny, you have open consent to send me as many memes as you want. I would yes. love to see what you've okay. got in store. They're all going to be ADHD memes. Love it. <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah. 
Also, Juice, uh, I did just get vaccinated. Uh, I was feeling lousy uh, that night. So, yeah, it's fun. I have a little bit of like a fever and a little coffee situation, but I'm a, I'm being a trooper and everything, being a big girl. So you're going to have fun with that. So, yeah, uh, that is all I've got for that question. Are we ready to wrap it up? And tape it closed and say that's one fresh baby. Yep. That is one fresh baby. All right. So that has been Dear Jazzy 59. Again, I'm sorry if I've been like kind of like off. Oh, God, seven. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I'm usually not this bad. And also, you did you, great. Usually my body isn't fighting COVID-19 <laughs> when I do the show. But, um, Fani, thank you so much once again for coming on the show. As always, obviously, I mean, at this point, you're like the regular co-host and everything. But I still want to like thank you every week for coming on just because it's always so much fun having you and everything. Please never get rid of me. Never, never. I will hold on to you kicking and screaming because you are like the best co-host ever. I think you like, I appreciate everyone else, but I'm the best, apparently, allegedly. Yes. <laughs> also, thank you everyone for sending in the fantastic questions. Uh, some last minute things. Don't forget to let me know. Eight. Eight. Whew. I feel great. Uh, don't forget and you to are the greatest thank you thank you no you uh, don't forget to send in uh, your thoughts on uh, Dear JazzCon 2021 if you have any ideas or feelings towards that I would love to hear them and I would love to get this event set up and have get people like like set up and everything I just really want this to happen and everything um, that's all I got happen What's up? We will make merch happen. We will make more merch happen. Always. We will have stickers that have Jazzy's toe beans on them. Yes, absolutely. All I need is some saucy uh, PNGs. I can make that happen. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So, uh, <laughs> my choose says bad at math could be the could be live at JazzCon. Absolutely. All right. So, without further ado, Fani, where can people find you and how can they send you money? Uh, they can usually find me in my house because I'm a hermit. Um, but online, they can find me at both Twitter and Patreon under the name Fani ABDL. Um, and they can give me money by subscribing to my Patreon or commissioning me through the form that's on my Twitter. Awesome. And I have been Jasmine Starshine. You can find me online at excuse me sorry i am a mess today <laughs> you can find me online at lil jazzy baby on twitter that's like my main social media uh platform of choice uh i'm also jasmine starshine 0001 on discord either of those are great ways to get in touch with me also dear jazzy podcast at gmail.com is our email that you can submit questions anonymously there and also send me a line there um I think that's it. Yeah. Last but not least, 
Dear Jesse, it's an At Odds With God.com production. Please visit us online at At Odds With God.com. You can check out our merch store. You can check out Camp Buddy. You can check out, hopefully soon, Dear JazzCon 2021. And you can check out our Patreon, which is the best way to support the show directly. Also, there's merch and supporting Fawny. Those are also fantastic ways to support the ongoing production of the show. Also, I did not give a shout out to Let's Call Me Joe. This is a new mic stand that I'm using and it has made my life so much better. So thank you so, so so much. I love it. I love it so much. I can like move my arms around and not like hit shit with it. It's great. It's fantastic. It's articulated. It's articulated. Oh, that probably sounds wonderful on the recording. So (laughs) (laughs) that's all I got. I have been Jasmine Starshine. I've been Bonnie Amy And we will see you in the next one. Bye. I was going to say, as someone who was a professional musician and in a band for many years, sometimes it'd be like that. Sometimes you fuck a groupie and then you move on. That was the number one rule in my band is do not fuck anyone that's affiliated with the band or buys tickets to the shows.